What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Genesis Scottish Open. This is a very unique situation that we have on the tour right now because this used to be exclusively a DP World Tour event, the European Tour, and now it's co-sanctioned. So that creates a couple of situations where uh, we have just enough data and just enough information to be dangerous. So we'll go through all that. We'll talk through the golf course. We'll talk through the players in the field because it's going to be an absolutely stacked one as many golfers are going to use this as their practice for the Open Championship. So get your get your bodies acclimated to uh, golf being played overseas. Don't wait until Thursday morning when you wake up to get your lineups in, to get your one and done in to get your bets in because this is going to start early, right? They're playing uh, in Scotland. So think about the time difference, five hours from the East Coast, and it should be a lot of fun. A couple of weeks over overseas. It's going to be awesome stuff. Let's jump into it right now. All right, here is the course key stats tool, rickrungood.com. Everything you see is from my website, rickrungood.com. It is a giant database and tools and visualizations for fantasy golf and betting on golf. I love it. Uh, I think you will too. So the part that I mentioned about knowing just enough to be dangerous. So the Scottish Open has been around forever, right? But exclusively a uh, DP World Tour event. And now it is co-sanctioned with the PGA Tour. So there's actually two co-sanctioned events this week. You've got the uh, the, the Barbasol and you've got the Genesis, uh, Scottish Genesis, Genesis Scottish Open. The latter will be way more popular, right? 14 out of 15 top players in the world are playing in Scotland and then, um, you know, they're going to go to the Open Championship. However, we have course history. We've got tournament history. Course history is three years, uh, 2021, 2020, 2019. They played the Scottish Open at the Renaissance Club. It's what you're looking at right now. Uh, Min Woo Lee, the defending champion here. So we have course data, but we don't... You, normally when I run this correlation model, it is uh, the, the PGA Tour stats uh, for every player in the field compared to each golf course. Well, we have most of that, right? We have three years, which is just a big enough sample size, but we don't have a ton of the full stats from all the guys who played in this event. So I will say, if you're going to look at this model, uh, do not just blindly follow this. You should not be blindly following anything. That's probably a life lesson, not just a fantasy golf lesson, but don't blindly follow this. This is like 60% of the data that I would love to have to, um, to really analyze this, but I still think it's it's somewhat important. The good news is there's not really anything that stands out here. Strokes gained approach, by far the biggest metric. That's the that's the one that stands out to me. Uh, we are going to rely heavily on approach play. There are only three other courses on this kind of hybrid schedule PGA Tour and a couple of you know past European Tour events that strokes gained approach is more important. Um, so keep that in mind. You know we can look at the. We can look at the scorecard here. So it's it goes out in 36, comes in in 35. That's a par 71. So count them up. That's one, two, three, four par fives. One, two, three, four, five par threes. So what does that leave us with? Nine par fours. Now the fours are there's a handful of them that are that are fairly long, uh, and the five par threes is is noteworthy here. So this is uh, certainly something that we're probably going to take into account when we get to the. 
uh, key stat or to the to running a model portion of this. But for now, we're gonna just basically analyze the field. We're gonna stick with kind of the more standard stats. We're gonna heavily uh, rely on approach play when we get to that version. When we get to the the model building portion of this event, but otherwise. Go out and find your birdie makers. Oh, and the other thing is, like this court, this field's going to be stacked, right? This they always get a good field around here. I think last hundred last year was like four hundred. Um, this this year is going to blow it away. It's going to be one of the strongest fields that we've seen in golf this year, um, which makes complete sense. The other thing that I'll note: the Renaissance Club, not a link style golf course, right? So normally the idea would be these players go over get acclimated to the time zone, play Lynx style golf the week before the Open Championship where they will be asked to play Lynx style golf. That has historically been the idea. That's not really the case with the Renaissance Club. So again, we're we're not necessarily super heavy on the European guys who play Lynx style golf much more frequently. I think there's going to be a lot of Americans that can contend. Um, and also when I when I reveal this field to you, your 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 brain is going to explode. It's it's unbelievable. And here it is on the cheat sheet. Four golfers over $10,000. Scotty Scheffler is 11200 John Rahm is 11000 Justin Thomas is ten six. Matt Fitzpatrick uh, is a, is 10100 Well-deserved, but always a little bit interesting to see. That might be the most expensive we've ever seen on Matt Fitzpatrick. I'll check in just a second. The only guy in the top 15 in the world who's not here is Rory McIlroy. He's obviously going to be at St. Andrews next week. But... Um, Everyone else is here, which is creating a situation where, my goodness, there is a lot of value. Before I even get down there, like Victor Hovland is $8,800, right? Coming off the last time we saw him was that fairly ugly missed cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time when Victor was $8,800. I'll, I'll look up some of these and probably email them out in my in my newsletter this week, kind of the you know buying at an all-time high or buying at an all-time low. But I imagine there's going to be some pretty unique prices here. So let's, let's look at this $10,000 range. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is, and I feel like I've said this for, for, for five months, he's just unbelievable, right? I mean, even when he doesn't have his best stuff, uh, he finds a way to finish well. Let me, let's look up the profile here for Scotty. When I look at his profile, I see a golfer who right here, uh, from basically, you know, Phoenix from his first win, but you could go back even a little bit further than that. So go to Phoenix to the masters was dominant and putted well. Uh, he is still dominant from tee to green, not putting well, and he still has two runner-up finishes, uh, two top 15s, a top 20. I mean, look at this. So, so he is objectively not putting as well as he was earlier this year by about, I don't know, three strokes a tournament? Is that right? Let me just do the math real quick. Okay, so this sixth event, this sixth event start, Six event stretch. I cannot speak this morning. From Phoenix to the Masters, he was gaining uh, basically a stroke per round with the putter. He is now a tiny, tiny negative, basically tour average over his last six. And he is still piling up good finishes. Like, isn't that isn't that scary? So that six event stretch where he's objectively way worse with the putter. He's gone T15, missed cut, runner-up, T18, runner-up. T13. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. So I look at Scotty Scheffler and say, wow, uh, the floor is there. And if he puts well, 
he's probably going to win. Like that, that is what it feels like. And a lot of these guys have played this event before. So Scotty Scheffler played at Renaissance Club last year, finished 12th. So Scotty might not be the guy you're looking for. We'll wait for ownership to, to figure itself out later in the week. We'll do the Wednesday live show, 3 p.m. Eastern time. But that is really, really scary stuff. Uh, John Rahm played here last year, finished seventh. John Rahm coming off what probably most would consider a pretty disappointing U.S. Open, right? To be really in the mix on the weekend and just kind of fade on Sunday and not make up much ground. Uh, ends up finishing 12th. We can do a deeper dive into his metrics. I imagine they're going to be fairly incredible. Let's just look real quick. Uh, yeah, from, from T to green, he's been, he's been great. The putter has been really good. There, there's nothing not to like here. The short game is back. He's plugged the leaks. That's the one thing that we talked about going into the U S open, which now feels like it's a long time ago. It's only been a couple of weeks. Um, that stretch of golf where he was struggling with the short game, that's over. Readjust your, your expectations, recalibrate your viewpoints on John Rob. He's, he's really, really close to being that dominant top end player again. Um, Justin Thomas was in the field for, uh, I, I guess it was travelers or was it for John Deere? I can't remember, but he withdrew from, uh, before the tournament started before one of those wanted to get some more rest. It had to be the travelers, right? Coming off the U S open. That's gotta be right. Uh, has two top tens here. So when you start looking, if you start going through the Holy grail and you can fire this up for anybody in this field at the Renaissance club, and you've got to add more filters here. Cause you've got to go and add in, um, the European tour as well. So add in the European tour, do the Renaissance club. Now you only want to look at the last three years and that's all you're going to get out of this. But if you sort by strokes gain total uh, of guys with, with who've played this event twice, uh, Lucas Herbert is number one, 2.6 strokes gained. He's finished T four in each of the last two years. Justin Thomas is next, uh, 2.25 with a ninth place finish and an eighth place finish. Thomas Dietrich, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, wow, you can make an all Thomas lineup. Justin Thomas, Tom Thomas Dietrich, Thomas Fleetwood. I assume his full name is Thomas. Uh, and maybe we can find a couple of other ones. Thor Thorbjorn, that might be like the Austrian version of Thomas or German. I don't know what Th Thorbjorn is. It's probably something Scandinavian. Um, you can make an all Thomas team. Anyway, Justin Thomas has been the best the best player around here in in multiple starts. And then Matt Fitzpatrick is 10-1. He's been a loyal loyalist, loyalist to this uh to this event. Finished runner-up last year, 42nd in 2020, 14th at Renaissance Club in 2019. He finished 14th in 2018, but that was not held at the Renaissance Club. So keep that in mind. Okay, so the way I we, we've got to start splitting hairs between these guys. The way that I look at it, um Scotty Scheffler is probably worth the extra couple hundred of dollars, couple hundred dollars. There is zero statistical evidence that he's going anywhere. Right, even his worst start, a miscut to PGA Championship, was about as good of a miscut as you could get. So, Scotty Scheffler, all the stats are there. Uh, the next guy that I'd be interested in is probably Justin Thomas. He's got the again, we're splitting hairs. He's been twice as good as John Rahm on approach in the last fifty rounds. He's got two top ten finishes here. Then I would probably go. You know, Matt Fitzpatrick coming off the U.S. Open win, he's had some time. Like, I don't, that's always a little bit worrisome. Um, I would probably go Rom and then I would probably go Fitzpatrick. But again, it's very, very close. That's just my opinion. You can certainly do whatever you want, and I encourage you to do whatever you want. The $9,000 range becomes a lot more interesting because you've got guys like Sandra Shoffley fresh off of victory in the 9K range. You've got Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa and Will Zaltoris and Sam Burns and Cam Smith and Hideki Matsuyama. So we've got to figure this part out. 
Uh, none of these guys have played at the Renaissance Club more than once. Uh, the best finish last year for any of them, uh, Xander Shoffley finished 10th. Let's look at how Xander pairs out in the um, in the in the power rankings here, and you'll see. So he's ninety nine hundred dollars, but over the last twenty four rounds, Xander Shoffley is the number one player in this field, and it's not even close. He's a half a stroke better than Will Zalatoris. He's uh, three three two thirds of a stroke better than Scotty Scheffler, um, and then Sam Burns is fourth. So actually, of all the guys in this field, three of the top players in the last twenty four rounds are in the 9K range. Why does this matter? Uh, I believe that 24 rounds is kind of the best indicator of recent form. It is, uh, what, six tournaments? So it, that is, uh, for me, a big enough sample size to have actionable data, but it's not too long, right? When you start going to 50, that's like half a year for some of these guys. Uh, 100 is like a full year for some of these guys. So, so six starts, especially at this point in the year where guys are playing a lot of golf, that might be a two-month stretch, uh, which I think is really actionable. Not to just cherry-pick results, because I've said that before, but last week, who was who was the best player in the field over the last 24 rounds last week? It was JT Poston wins the golf tournament. I think if you go back, and I'll do this in the offseason, go back and look at what the best metric is uh, for lead-in form for every event, I have a feeling 24 rounds is going to be pretty predictive. Uh, I've dipped my toe into that water just a little bit, but I, I imagine that's that's going to be the result. So Xander Shoffley, even if you remove the win, which which hurts him, right? Removing the win hurts him. He's gained 8, 6, 9, 11, 13 shots to the field over the course of his last six starts. One of them was the Zurich Classic, which you can argue whether that should be included or not, but let's throw out the win and the Zurich Classic. I'm going to throw out two wins. He goes... 11 strokes gained, 9 strokes gained, 6, and 8. That's an, a great stretch, an unbelievably great stretch. Um, he was just interviewed. Uh, uh, this is all anecdote. He, he's playing the J.P. McManus Pro-Am here on Monday and Tuesday, and he said he's a little bit tired. He's trying to um, get acclimated to the time zone, and he was like 3 under par last time I checked. He was like leading. He was in the lead being tired. I don't know. I think there's just... I really am excited to see what the industry does uh, with Xander because he, if you told me he'd be 40% owned, I wouldn't be surprised, but he had, like, he has not broken through 20% ownership since the match play. I don't know if people are sick of him, if he just plays fields that um, you get so many good golfers in, but uh, like, boy, it's shaping up to be a, a, a really good spot for Xander. Uh, out of the rest of this range, uh, I kind of do like, you know, Sam Burns coming off the miscut at the Travelers. Can we take a look at that? Not all miscuts are the same. And I want to look at the way he did this. I saw him miss a lot of putts, but that could be anecdotal. That was just me kind of tracking him as my one and done. So Travelers Championship. Remember, he only played two rounds. So gains a half a stroke off the tee, loses a quarter on approach, loses a shot and a half around the greens. And gains a shot with the gains a stroke with the putter. Not the worst thing I've ever seen, right? Misses the cut by a shot or two. And he's normally a much better putter. He's normally much better around the greens. The approach play now hasn't been there for for six rounds, which I guess is a little bit concerning, but might be an interesting buy low spot if Sam Burns comes in super, super under owed. So we'll keep an eye on Burnsy. And then for me, Cam Smith is kind of the X factor here, right? So Cam Smith misses the cut at the U.S. Open. That's the last time that anybody got to use him. 
he also has not played at this event at all since 2018. He finished 42nd, and he has not played at the Renaissance Club. So when you start comparing other guys in the 9K range, you have guys who have top 10, top 25 finishes, maybe not so much interest in Cam Smith. However, if you look at the last 24 rounds of everyone in this field, in strokes gained approach, which we've already kind of determined is incredibly important every single week and probably a hair more important this week. Cam Smith is number one in this field. In the field. In the field. Last 24 rounds, gaining 1.32 strokes on approach. The ball striking numbers are great. We know he can get hot with the putter, and he hasn't even been putting all that well. He's basically been a tour average putter. So I, I think there is a little bit of juice to squeeze here out of Cam Smith. Look at this run. You know, the run from... The tour championship last year into the swing season, into the early part of the spring, he was a putting machine. Has not putted all that well since. It's been good weeks, it's been bad weeks. There is a there is a situation in which we get a seven strokes gained on approach, one stroke gained off the tee, a zero around the green, and he gains three with the putter. What would that be? Nine, uh, seven, eight, nine. That's like a top 10 finish or like a top five finish easily. And then, and that's like, that's well within his range of outcomes. If we get, I mean, the guys gained nine and a half strokes on approach, uh, twice in his last like seven starts. So he, to me is kind of the X factor. We'll see what the ownership looks like later in the week, but he's the one I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm quite interested in. The $8,000 range is just as strong, and we can continue to roll on here, but what I want to do is I want to go back to the, the Holy Grail for a second because I do think uh, one of the things I love to do is really um, look at strength of field. You, there, there is just a difference when the best players in the world get together. There, there just is. Uh, and who ends up coming out on top in those situations? So... I don't know what the strength of field of, of, of the Scottish Open is going to be yet, but let's say 600. 600 starts to get you into the uh, major championships. It gets you into the uh, playoff events. It gets you into WGCs, like things of that nature, elevated events, right? And I imagine with 14 of the top 15 players in the world, we're going to be we're going to be up there. That's 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 what's going to happen here. And I only want to look at like the last couple of years. Uh, how many rounds if we go back to 2020? Okay, that's not bad. Decent number of rounds. So we're going to go back to 2020 here. Uh, John Rahm is number one, no surprise. Will Zalatoris, who's 9,300, is number two. Scotty Scheffler is number three. Mito Pereira, who only has 12 rounds, is number four. Guido Migliozzi also only has 12 rounds. He's number six. We don't have a guy in the $8,000 range until you get to Victor at 8,800. He's like 21st in this field, something like that. The missed cut at the U.S. Open was his first missed cut since the 2021 players. Now, he had to WD from the 2021 U.S. Open. Uh, remember sand in the eye? Remember that situation? Yeah. So that was the last time he actually missed a cut was the 2021 players. And that's the... So he's only missed two cuts, uh, and it was the last two U.S. Opens. Outside of that, he's been pretty darn stout at these stronger field events. And now you get an $8,800 Victor Hovland. Let's just go look the last time he was $8,800. Probably. It's probably been a while, right? $8,800. He was... 8,000 at the 2021 Tour Championship, but that's a staggered start. That doesn't really count. Then he was, 
I mean, that's it. The 2020 BMW Championship. That's like the last, like the last time we see him. We've seen him be this cheap. So um, I, I don't know if I'll if I'll get there just yet. But that's someone I'm I'm certainly keeping an eye on when you compare to the rest of this eight thousand dollar range. And there's a lot of good guys here. You know, Ryan Fox has been good on um, on a worldwide stage, right? It's not going to necessarily show up here on the cheat sheet. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to dive into the golfer profiles here a bit, or go to the power rankings because um, I've got all the all the guys, right? I've got I've got DP World Tour results, live live results, PGA Tour results, all that. Look at the stretch of golf that Ryan Fox is on. So he wins in February, and he has piled up top 25 cents. Runner-up finish at the Irish Open last week. Third at the BMW International the week before. He did miss the cut at the U.S. Open, but he missed it on the number at $6,700. Runner-up at the Dutch Open. Made the cut to PGA. T2, T8, and the win. That's his last eight results. Splendid. Splendid. If you look at the power rankings... Um, so eight, 16, 24, so 32, but he missed the cut. So last 30 rounds, I understand I'm cherry picking this for Ryan Fox, but last 30 rounds, let's see. Oh, I've got to, I've got to include all these other rounds. Hold on a second. I've got to include my Euro rounds. I've got to include everything. There we go. <laughs> I understand I've cherry picked this for Ryan Fox, but last 30 rounds, he's the best player in this field. Rick, that is also including uh, you know, much weaker Asian tour events. Okay, fine. Let's view the weighted stuff. Uh, if we view this as weighted, he is, yeah, he drops down 33rd. So maybe it's not as good of a value as I thought, but I do wonder if that will like, like if you're just a casual playing this week, would you rather, are you going to play Joaquin Neiman or Ryan Fox? Are you going to play Corey Connors or Ryan Fox? Are you going to play Tommy Fleetwood or Ryan Fox? I just don't think Ryan Fox is going to be all that popular and in the two we only have i think he only has eight rounds that are measured yeah and like he's been great on approach he bombs it off the tee i don't know i'll 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 give him one more crack here i'll give him one more crack the eight thousand dollar range as a whole i i think is really fascinating and i think is going to be likely where this slate is kind of um won and lost because the, the, the nines and the tens are so stacked. There's guys in the sevens that are fair. And there are at least some question marks about basically every single one of these guys. So every single guy except for Tommy Fleetwood and Max Homa in the $8,000 range is coming off a missed cut in their last start, at least their last PGA start. Um, Ryan Fox, obviously, that's not true because he had a runner-up finish. And but but you see what I'm saying? Like if you're looking at a cheat sheet and you're looking at PGA Tour results, so you've got all these guys coming off missed cuts. Um, you know, Cam Young, who was the flavor of the spring as he should have been, has now gone 60th at the Memorial, missed cut the U.S. Open. Is he, if he if he's just like five percent, I'm back in, right? I mean, there's just so there's so many of these guys that I think like the slate will be broken here from from one of these guys because they can all win it. They're all super high upside talented golfers, but I don't know if the industry is going to necessarily treat them that way. If we look at this range um, just by itself and sort by like strokes gained approach, Ryan Fox is number one. That's, uh, and this is the last 50 rounds. I can go last 24, but also Ryan Fox only has eight rounds. So uh, Max Homa's number two. Homa's ball striking has been phenomenal. Corey Connors is number three. Uh, let's see. Tommy Fleetwood is next. Sung J M. The only guy who's losing strokes on approach in the last 24 is, is Cam Young, but he's, uh, 
<laughs> he's probably one of the top guys in T to green. Yeah, he's middle of the pack in T to green because he's been phenomenal off the tee. Um, so you can mess around with this any way that you like, but these are guys that I, I think public sentiment is going to be quite down on, which is probably why I'm interested and also probably interested uh, for the jock market as well, because you're also going to get a situation where if public sentiment is down, nobody's going to want to buy these guys. Cam Young's been one of the most profitable jock market golfers that we have. Max Homa as well. They're both in that $8,000 range. Uh, and I and I think you're going to get a pretty good deal on them because I don't think anybody's running out to bid on them. This is this is stock market DFS. It's uh, you buy sell short shares of golfers and there's an IPO phase. I just think I think you're going to get a deal on a lot of these 8K guys. That's that's the way I at least I at least view this. Um, you can use the code Rick at Jock Market and get yourself up to a hundred dollar deposit match. Okay, seven thousand dollar range. Mentioned Lucas Herbert, who's got the back-to-back fourth-place finishes at uh, at this event. I also believe he played in Ireland last week. Let's just confirm that. Am I making that up? No, I'm not. And he's coming off a top 10. He's probably going to be pretty popular. I, I think a lot of people, um, and he's been playing on the PGA Tour, so a lot of people know like who he is. I think he will be fairly popular. He's a bit reliant on the short game, like very, very reliant on the short game, which is terrifying. I I like Lucas Herbert, but I imagine a scenario in which he checks in at like 19% ownership and I'm out, right? Like that's just, that would be what I would think would be bad chalk. Uh, if for whatever reason he comes in at 9%, I'm much more interested, but I could see a path to him being quite popular this week. Um, I'm I'm pretty big in on, on Mito Pereira. He's coming off of two missed cuts, but as we talk about all the time, not all missed cuts are equal. He has actually gained, gained like over half a stroke uh, combined in those two missed cuts. He gained three quarters of a stroke and missed the cut at the US Open on the number, missed uh, lost 0.8 strokes at the Travelers Championship, missed the cut on the number. Uh, I don't care at all, right? The weeks before that were were awesome. Uh, he's in a little bit of a of a of an approach lull, which we have not. I mean, we've seen that before. That's not uncommon, right? He did that kind of in the fall portion of the schedule, and then he snapped out of it. I I want to be on Mito when he snaps out of it, especially because I think it's easy to look at this stretch of golf and say. Wow, he was playing well. He coughed up the PGA Championship and has missed two cuts in a row. I'm out. Like, no, no. I, I, I see that. I see that differently. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I see that. I see that differently. Who else here? Um, Christian Bezano. Yeah, I think we were correct in the fact that like he, he was the forgotten guy last week, and I think he was like nine thousand something dollars. And it was like no one's gonna play him, and th- th- like these odds, uh, you know, bookmakers were giving him a lot of respect. Just something s- uh, felt very fishy with Bezadenhout last week, and it was like I think he's, I think he's just gonna play well. I, I worry that he's relying on the putter, which he continues to be, but he puts the ball in the cup. Like wouldn't wouldn't mind going back to him at $7500 because you're going to get you're going to get guys that want to go to Varner that want to go to Aaron Rye who won this event 2 years ago who want to go to more of the household names of Kucher and McNeely and Woodland. I mean McNeely played well last week as well. We're we're starting to find a little bit of trends here. I mean Minwoo, Minwoo who made the cut at the US Open, played well and then has won this event. He's our defending champion. Like people could go back to Minwoo. The $7000 range is stacked. So let's start trying to split hairs a little bit here. Uh, last 24 rounds on approach play, HV3, Keegan Bradley, Henrik Stenson, Mito Pereira, Luke List, 
and Brian Harmon's tied. Those are your top five. Uh, strokes gain total. And again, this is going to include rounds from all over the world. Adrian Moronk, who uh, just won last week, right, uh, on the European tour, is number one. Keegan Bradley, number two, Eduardo Molinari, number three. Again, that's going to be a smaller sample size from all over the place. Mito Pereira, number four. We're starting to sort this in a couple of different ways. We're starting to see Mito's name uh, pop up in in a few of those. That's something to 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 note. Uh, fantasy points gained. If you just want to play a straight up fantasy point like angle on this, Justin Rose number one, Mito Pereira number two, Keegan Bradley number three. Are we starting to see the same names here? Because it feels like we are. Uh, so that's something that always. You know, when you start filtering a bunch of different ways and you start to get the same guys, um, it tends to mean something. The bottom of the $7,000 range, because most of those guys were up near the top, I believe. Yeah, Keegan's 7,900. Uh, Mito is 7,700. Even Lucas Herbert is 7,600. I mentioned Maverick McNeely, who I've been a big fan of this year. I had an outright ticket on him last year or last week. That did not come through. However, uh, an eighth place finish is a, a good reason to be optimistic that he continues to play well. Um, who else at the bottom of the seven K range? Not super, super stoked. Patrick, Patrick Rogers has played much better, right? He's got three straight top thirties. Uh, he's made six of his last seven cuts. He only missed the cut at the Memorial. It's a tough event. No problem there. I wouldn't mind that playing well. The only place he's he's a liability right now is uh, around the greens, which is which is okay. Hmm. Anybody? I I could play Minwoo. Let's look at Minwoo a little bit deeper here. Although he's missed, a, I feel like he's missed a lot of cuts. Or is he only missed cuts at majors? What's Minwoo been up to? He did play the Irish Open, made the cut there, fifty eighth U.S. Open, twenty seventh. He's you know he's driving it well struggling really with the approach play, which I guess is concerning. Maybe I won't get to Minwoo this week. Maybe I won't get to him. That's a pretty, that's a pretty tough stat line right there. That's pretty tough. All right. Maybe, maybe we'll take a pass on Minwoo. $6,000 range. Let's look at it. And remember, we've got kind of the, the, the co-sanctioned nature of this means we have a lot of guys that are playing, um, I don't want to say exclusively on the on the DP World Tour, but yeah, like ex exclusively. So we've got a lot of guys here. So the way that I would probably do this uh, with this new field or new field composition is I'd probably look look a lot at the power rankings. The power rankings let you get um, access to all the rounds of everybody, right? Which is which is which is good here. So let's just do this. Last twenty four rounds of everyone in this field. Uh, let's find the first 6K golfer. Like, let's just scroll down and find the first 6K golfer. It's Matthew Neesmith, $6,900. He's 32nd in strokes gained total. He's 26th. Oh, I'm in weighted too. Hold on. I guess that's fine. Weighted's fine because we got guys. Actually, that's, I probably prefer that. So, so Neesmith, 32nd. Strokes gained approach, he's 26th. He is a liability in the short game categories, but that's not horrible. Next would be Jason Scrivener, who's fairly well-rounded across the board. That was Oliver. I don't know if you saw him in the in the frame. Um, Wyndham Clark, who is great off the tee and great around the green, struggles other places. And then uh, Audrey Artis, who has been wow, look at this. This might we might not have a ton of rounds on this, but let's look up. Let's look him up. 
Arnis. Arnis, Arnis, Arnis. Okay. Played the Irish Open. Uh, missed the cut. Missed the cut at the U.S. Open. But gained strokes on approach. Made the cut at the PGA Championship. Played well in Europe. Had a stretch of golf where he had four straight top tens earlier this year. This isn't, th this isn't bad. This isn't bad at all. I think I liked him at the U.S. Open and he uh, just short gamed himself out of it, which is something he tends to do. So you've got to be a little bit worried that he chips and putts his way out of it. But um, I'm going to assume that lack of ability on and around the greens is not, especially around the greens, not nearly as important here as it is at Brookline at the country club, right? So maybe I'll give him one more go here. Steven Yeager got into this field, which is nice. He finished 30th at the John Deere last week. Just trying to see if anything else stands out here. Got a couple of guys with some really good finishes. Uh, Patty Harrington, who uh, won the U.S. Senior uh, Open a couple of weeks ago, has back-to-back -to -back top 20s at this event at the Renaissance Club, if you're willing to go that route. Just kind of scrolling through here. Okay, let's run a model. So I think the model is going to be fairly straightforward here. Let's stick with last 24. Um, I, I, I want to just be smart about this. And I think we have to use the weighted numbers. The weighted numbers are, uh, if I didn't explain it earlier, I've explained it a lot, but it's, it's an opportunity to use strength of field and a variety of other things to say, Hey, gaining a stroke putting or gaining a stroke to the field at the U S open is much more impressive than gaining a stroke to the field at the Barbasol or at the French open or something like that. So that's what weighted strokes gain does. So we're going to use weighted strokes gain for this. We know approach play is going to be important. Let's just say 33. It's always important. And we think it's going to be more important here off the tee 15. And then we'll go around the green 10 putting 10. That's 68 out of our hundred weights. So we've got 32 remaining. Well, there are uh, five par threes, which is pretty important and significant. So let's go 20 on par threes. There are uh, the four par five. So let's go. I've got 12 left. So let's go. No, hold on. Let's let's spread these out a little bit better. 15 on par threes, 10 on par fives, seven on par fours. So we've kind of done this in a way where we've covered all the strokes gain metrics and we've covered all the, the different types of, of, of hole scoring. This is kind of a weird one. I would never really do it like this, but I think it's fair for this week with the lack of information that we know. My number one golfer is, oh boy. Justin Thomas. Wow. JT number one. Okay. Wow. 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 Makes sense, right? He's phenomenal. Um, and very good on approach. So JT number one, Wills Altoris number two, Xander Shoffley three, Scotty Scheffler floor four. I see a path in which I just lock button Scotty and Xander, which by the way, you can now lock in, uh, up to three golfers on the custom model. I know guys were requesting that. So that's available now. Man, could I just lock button the 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 shoffs or the chefs Scheffler Shoffley? Man, I probably could. Sung JM number five, Sam Burns six, Hideki seven. Didn't really talk about Hideki. Joaquin Neiman eight, Corey Connors nine, Cam Smith ten. Interesting. Okay, I could get behind that. It's not a huge. I mean, these are all great players, so this isn't a huge surprise. Keegan Bradley's the first guy in the sevens that show up. Who's the first guy in the sixes? Lucas Glover. He's 28th in my rankings. Honor Bon Lahiri is 33rd in my rankings. David Lipsky and Alex Smalley, 35th and 36th. They're the, they're the first guys in the 6K. Interesting. Okay, so here's what I need to do. 
figure out how much money I'm going to lose on Scotty and Xander. Then I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive on probably Corey Connors. And I really, really want to see what the ownership is going to be on Cam Smith. Cam Smith, I believe, is uh, the the big, big X factor here. The big X factor here. I'd really like to see what that ownership number is going to be. Um, and that'll make a lot of decisions. So we'll cover ownership on the live show Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Rick Rungood YouTube channel. Also, be live with Andy on Tuesday to talk through one and done and matchups and everything else that's going on. Um, I will, and I'm sure we'll do some bar. So, Barbasol stuff, I will put out a uh, cheat sheet when the salaries come out. And I'll add in some, like, you'll be able to use rickrungood.com for that field as well. Just salaries aren't out yet. So, when that comes out, I'll I'll update everything. Uh, Otherwise, Wishing you the best of luck this week. It's going to be fun. Get your coffee ready. Get your get your body clock set up. Looking forward to it. Firing off 3 a.m. tweets. You can tweet me at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.